podcast, you are listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Dilbout. And this week's episode, man, you guys, might be my favorite one ever. Phoebe Lapine, she is the author of the book The Wellness Project, and she is the woman behind Feed Me Phoebe and someone I hope I become best friends with because, you know, we're heading in that direction after this episode. I spent the most lovely afternoon with her in Brooklyn recording this in person where I was able to show my knife scars and hug her and share a unicorn latte with her and some kombucha and walk around. And you know what? After that, I I was sold. And I've been sold before that because her work itself is amazing and in person she's just as great, which you'll get to get a taste of in this very long, very real episode where she tells her story in a really great way. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So Phoebe, like I said, she's the author of the new book, The Wellness Project, which I really think everyone needs to read and check out. And just get obsessed with her because she's one of those people who really is as awesome as they seem on the internet. She is a chef. She teaches private classes in New York City. She has a video series. She's just done a lot of great things, and you'll hear all about them in today's episode. So I want to get to it as soon as possible, and I want to talk about our amazing sponsors for the episode first. So first up, Care Of. You might know Care-of already if you've been listening to the podcast because I've been loving them for a while. They are a supplement brand that you can personalize to your own needs. What you do is you go to their website, takecareof.com, and you take a quiz, and it asks you questions about your lifestyle, your diet, your stress levels, your sleep patterns, and from there, it curates a custom vitamin package for you, so all the vitamins your body needs. And the best thing is... Well, I think the best thing is that they come to you in this amazing package with your name on it. It's personalized. And as an only child, Phoebe's also an only child, and we talk about that in this episode, personalization is something that I I really, really think is great. And I just like it a lot. And as someone with the name Katie, it was always very challenging to find keychains with my name and all sorts of things with my name, but if care of that's not a problem. There are plenty of Katie's and they will take care of you. And speaking of, if you use the code Katie, K-A-T-I-E, that's my name, you can get 50% off your first order. That's 50%. That's half of all the percents. You can get it off just by using my name, Katie. So at checkout, if you go to takecareof.com, you can take the quiz. It can tell you what vitamins you need to make you have more energy, to help you feel better, to help you sleep better, to help your poop be more regular. It will help you. It will tell you. I take them. I love them. And I think you guys will too. Their packaging is great. Their service is great. They even have a new prenatal and pregnancy package. So if you are prenatal, postnatal, breastfeeding, or currently pregnant, it will help you to get the vitamins and minerals that your specific hormone and nutrient needs for the specific time within that that you're in. So again, that's takecareof.com and use the code Katie at checkout. Thank you, Careof, as always, for sponsoring the podcast. Also, a huge thank you and shout out to Lbox, a newer sponsor, but equally as amazing and innovative. They are great because they are totally changing the way you experience your period. They make it easy for your body to have self-care during this time and they use all natural products at a really low price. And a cool thing about Lbox is that they use 100% organic cotton, which is really important because 
our vagina is actually the most porous organ in our body. So it absorbs chemicals and toxins that might be in traditional tampons really, really easily. So it's really important to use organic cotton if you can. And, you know, you might be thinking mindfully about what you're putting in your body in terms of toxins and food and maybe even what you're putting on your skin in terms of chemicals and products that have toxins in them and maybe even your cleaning products. But what about your tampons? What's going into your vagina, the most porous part of your body? So that's why L-Box is great. And they take the convenience. They don't take it out. They put it in. They make it so easy for you to get exactly what you need every single month so you're not having to run out to the store. They make sure that you have exactly what you need. No toxins, no dyes, no synthetic materials delivered right to your door at a really low cost. And the best part is it's not just the pads and tampons and whatever specific period products you need, but they also in your comfort box give you goodies and fun things to make this time of the month even better. And I love that. And the thing I love most about them though, it's none of that actually, you guys. It's what they do for girls starting their first periods. And here's a crazy statistic. 44% of girls don't actually know what's happening to them when they get their first period. And 60% of them feel really afraid. So that's why the first period guide that comes with this first period box is backed up with really great support for them. And they've used a committee of women's health and education and reproductive health experts to come up with this guide that comes with this first period box. So this could be a great gift to give to your niece or your little sister or a friend or a neighbor who either hasn't experienced their first period yet or just got it. It, I know it's something I would have loved. I know my first period wasn't glamorous and lovely at all. It was, I think, at the pool, and I think I was embarrassed and ashamed and always trying to hide it. So this would be something that could facilitate a really great conversation and fill an educational gap that I think a lot of girls and women are missing when it comes to teaching people about their first period. So check out the first period box, check out the L box, and just see what you think. I think you guys would really, really like it. So go to www.lboxco.com. That's E-L-L-E-B-O-X-C-O.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. Again, that's my name. And you can get your first box free, which is really, really great. So check them out. See what you think. If you use that code, you automatically, if you go to that link, I mean, which is in the show notes, you'll automatically get your free box. But you can also use the code Katie at checkout to make sure you get your free box. That's K-A-T-I-E at checkout for a free L box. So you might as well check it out. You've got nothing to lose. All right, let's get to this episode with Phoebe. I will talk to you guys at the end with the emoji for the episode, as well as who's coming up on the show next week. And let me tell you, it's also very good. So enjoy Phoebe. You're going to love her. I love her. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Wait, okay, so your boyfriend yeah. cut his finger? Did he have to get yeah. stitches? No, because that's the problem with the mandolin. It, like, it was like a clean... So what did they do? Um, they just put that like... It's like fake skin on just to... Well, so we probably wouldn't have gone if he wasn't leaving for Nicaragua at like 7 a.m. the next day. I was like, I just don't want you to like get to Nicaragua. Right. Like it's still bleeding. Right, right, right. So as much as I did not want to spend our our last night together in the emergency room, I was like, let's just go. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I'd ever been to an emergency room. 
was like a Friday night. Yeah. It's like, I'm glad we live near this emergency room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally blessing. Well, I want to show you my scarf. Sorry, I'm just making sure I have... I pulled up, like, the settings for this. Okay, oh, it's this, this one. Setup. Oh, yeah, I had it on the one that looks like a butt. And that <laughs> one is for one person. And I need it on the one that, that looks, looks like, like Um. So, yes, yeah, so we had an eventful... We're good. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so mandolin injuries are a real thing. I, oh, oh, the emergency room, I kid you not, was yeah, like, tell that oh, story. it's a Let's mandolin, like, wah, wah, wah. Oh, we're Yeah, <laughs> I want to get We'll get yes. right into it. So I feel bad. I'm not trying to shame my partner, but he broke out the mandolin to shave some Brussels sprouts for a salad. He was very adamant about it. Um, it's so funny because I teach cooking classes for right. a living, and I'm happy to say that I have a perfect record, knock yeah. on wood, of no one ever cutting themselves in a class with me, including like small children who are using big chef's knives. Right. But I don't trust gadgets. I definitely don't trust mandolins. I mean, everyone always hurts themselves yeah. on them. And so he was like, I'm doing it this way. And I was just like, okay, like I prefer not, but you know, just be really careful. Like, back in my mind, knowing, like, this isn't going to end well. Because Brussels sprouts are really small. Have you used He wasn't using the guard. Have you used this before, this gadget? The mandolin? Yes. Um, in fact, I had one that was even more dangerous. Like, I don't even think it had a guard before we moved in together and did the combining of stuff. And yeah. he is, like, much more of, like, an overbuyer, like, kind of. I mean, I'm kind of, I have hoarding tendencies, too. Yeah. But he's really into gadgets and, like, stuff. And so he had, like, everything imaginable for the kitchen, um, which is hilarious. Like, so like I the need, weird garlic thing? Yeah. Like I inherited a juicer. Um, actually, oh, wow. two kinds of juicers. Wow. That um, just seems like a lot of counter space. Totally. Oh, my God. His counter space is old. <laughs> he had no room for actually cooking or chopping. And he, has, he had, like, ten of these, like, teeny tiny little cutting boards. I'm like, your instincts for, like, oh how to God. set yourself up for success in the kitchen are like completely the That's opposite so of funny. my philosophy so um funny. although I'm happy to have the slow cooker now I've been experimenting with oh, that but yeah. I lived in a 400 square foot studio before yeah. and I kid you not I didn't even own a blender oh my goodness and like catered professionally yeah. out of my small little studio didn't even own a blender anywho <laughs> I kept so he's making the Brussels sprout. I kept his mandolin which was nicer and more sturdy yeah. than mine um so basically all this to say is this is not his first time using the mandolin it was his and yeah then he cut himself and he's like it's okay it's okay don't freak out <laughs> meanwhile like total gusher oh my god um Anywho, I more felt badly for him because he right. was leaving to go out of the country the next morning. And wow. yeah, I just didn't want him to yeah. to board a plane to a third world country yeah. and drive like two hours into the jungle. And oh then, like, man, that would be terrible. Yeah. So I still hope that he doesn't get an infection or anything. Yeah. But oh, fingers crossed. Luckily, okay. he survived. And yes, the emergency room people were not at all phased. They're like, and I asked them, yeah. um, I said this a little bit on my Instagram stories, because there's this whole thing about avocado hand. That and people, freaked me out yeah. when I heard that on your Insta story. Yeah. So people Ooh. cutting into Ooh. the avocado to like make slices and then accidentally going through the back into their hand. And that I have almost done. And I don't advise when I show people how to actually you know, prep an avocado, I definitely would never advise anyone cut into their hands. Of course, I don't always take yeah. my own advice and do it sometimes. But um, 
I asked the emergency room person, and they were like, oh, no, that is not at all common compared to mandolins. They're like, we get mandolin injuries all the time. That's so funny. They're like, it should be illegal. Yeah. Okay, well, before we end this PSA for mandolins and get right into your story and the wellness project and all the things, I have like copious notes of things I want to ask you, but quickly I have to tell you about my two worst kitchen injuries, and since we're in person, Since we're in person. Okay, so this is, do you see that little weird (gasps) thing I'm at? Yeah. This is the mandolin one. Oh, my God. And it was like at the height of, well, I guess I should go in order. Over here, on the (laughs) other hand, there's like a cut there. Yeah, okay. And so this one is from, it was Thanksgiving week. I just graduated from college. And this is kind of at the height of my eating disorder where I was like really like healing it, but healing it through like orthorexia, right? Mm -hmm. Like kind of going too far the other way. And so I was trying to make my own pumpkin puree for a pumpkin pie with like sugar-free <laughs> gluten-free whatever free whatever whatever and I'm in my mom is upstairs I'm at my mom's house and my boyfriend at the time was there and I got this new gadget called the immersion blender oh okay which I was like very excited that about. is actually one gadget I had is because I didn't have an actual blender oh yeah 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 very convenient yeah, but great. again word to the wise Uh-oh. I'm immersion blendering this stuff which is fine everything's great and then if you flip it over just like you would to a um you know, like the when you're beating eggs for a bat mm-hmm. or something, and you go like that to like lick oh. it, right? So I went like that to I wanted to like get some of the pumpkin and lick it off with my finger, <laughs> but it was still plugged in and on. <gasps> so I went like that, and it started to chop my finger. I quickly got my finger out, and but it started spinning still, and blood is going all around the kitchen. Oh and bleeding everywhere. I like have to sit down because I'm about, you know, you see, it didn't even hurt as bad as like I needed to sit down, but you see your own blood and then it freaks you out. Well, I mean, that's incredibly violent. Your blood was like spinning. Spinning, exactly. And so my boyfriend was like, oh my God, my mom like runs downstairs and she thinks that he's like murdered me or something because she sees him with the thing and me on the ground and like blood everywhere. And the next thing we know, we were in the um, emergency room and I had to get like six stitches or something on my finger. And so that happens. A week later, I'm like, mom, I really want to cook you dinner. I want to, I was really about like, I want everyone to eat the way I, which I'm totally the opposite of now. But I was really like, I'm going to make you these. She didn't, I think she didn't like something that I had made before. So I'm like, I'm going to make something really, really good this time where I'm going to thinly slice sweet potatoes Mm. with a mandolin. And so they're going to take, taste just like potato chips, something she loves. Mm -hmm. This is going to be great. So I'm like rushing. I want it to be perfect. I'm like being super type A. And I'm rushing and I'm doing the mandolin quickly. And then boom. And this was a week later. So mind you, on this hand, I already have like a bandage and stitches. And then on this hand, I she has to go back to the emergency room. And I'm like on her insurance at this time. So it's like costs all this money now. And time and it hurts. And so now I have two hands and I'm in my yoga teacher training. I like can't even do yoga because I have two injuries on my fingers a week apart. That I mean the first part of that story is hilarious. I'm going to repeat that. <laughs> you right? Oh my gosh. But yeah, them gadgets. Mm-hmm. Although, Immersion Blender, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of but yeah. gadgets in general. Somehow they get you. Well, that Immersion Blender one, I've done this before with things where you lick it with mm-hmm. your tongue. And I was like, thank God <laughs> oh I didn't do God. that with the Immersion Blender, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. Anyway. Well, I'm glad this is a safe space to I talk know. about our kitchen disasters. Yeah, I know. With uh, just, just us them. and a few other people. Yep, just a few um, friends. Thank you for coming to me today. I'm of course. so excited. It's so much more fun to do these in person. That's been my thing with moving to New York. I'm going to, if 
we're both in New York. I'm going to try to do it in person because I just think it was something I wasn't really able to do before. And there's so many people here that I want to talk to that I'm like making it my goal because I think there's something special when we do it in person that we can just like, I don't know. I can show you my scars on my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and I can like look in your eyes. It's yeah, great. exactly. It's <laughs> like slightly awkward, but also and we can drink cranberry. Can we yeah. Drink? And hug, which is great. So I've been really liking starting this podcast. I want to talk about your book and your past and your future and like all the cool Mm -hmm. things you have coming up and like your story. But I've been really liking starting in the present. So Mm -hmm. what in the present, first thing that comes to mind, have you been like learning or realizing or contemplating in the last like day or week or month and other than mandolin (laughs) (laughs) yes besides that and like teaching the world safe knife skills with an actual chef's knife (laughs) um no I mean what's really been in my space in the last day week and month is just this book tour business and um without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of that because I think it is boring for people who like I want to hear about it when we get lost before yeah (laughs) um but I think kind of the whole struggle that I've been thinking about recently in just like managing the whole thing is figuring out you know like leaving nothing the balance of leaving nothing on the field and like at some point like surrendering to Mm -hmm. the universe and just like trusting that you know it's out there now and we'll have legs and hopefully get in the hands of you know the people who it'll benefit and I'm like definitely you know a workhorse and I don't think I'm type a but like yeah definitely like super ambitious and at the same time you know I want to honor the actual lessons that I learned in this wellness endeavor of mine and not to push too hard and not you know make this you know the process of launching this book something that's going to be detrimental to my which is like the whole point of your book exactly and I definitely didn't take my own advice when planning the book tour I completely overscheduled myself was on so many planes compounded by the fact that I had a million weddings in June and yeah I definitely as I approached it I was like oh my gosh I did not take my own advice I did not plan this very well um but at the same time I'm kind of at the tail end now I'm gonna take three weeks off next week and that's what's kind of like why this has been in my space too because um as much as I've wanted to just you know send a million emails to people um you know be my own PR advocate you know, traveling, I just have had to say like, okay, I'm going to get through these events and, and that's it. And now that I'm kind of reaching the other side of that and maybe we'll have t- more time to, um, do some more like desk side pushing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel a little burnt out and a little in need of a break. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of figuring out right now kind of what the new the new pace will be yeah and just kind of trying to like figure out some intentions for the summer um I'm going to my parents house for three weeks and I'm gonna like decompress there (laughs) that'll be so nice I was just having that conversation with Talia our our Mm. mutual friend who did her podcast we drove together to and from Wanderlust and on the way home we were having that same conversation about like pushing versus just like letting things unfold and it's such a delicate balance and I know exactly how you're feeling because like or maybe not exactly but I I just empathize with what you're feeling of like things being so busy and then like wanting to slow down and sometimes I think it is okay to like push 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 and know that you have like a break coming up but like Mm. last year 
I, my book came out April 5th of 2016 mm. and it was so busy and I was so pushing and I was like, as soon as this happens, everything will change and blah, blah, blah. Yes, exactly. And then like it comes out and you see your book of points and I'm like, okay, zero things happen. <laughs> like there's no like unicorns and butterflies and you're like, okay, that was cool. That was amazing. But like, thank you. But then I, last summer I just basically like was like a teenager. I just like hung out by my friend's pool and just like chilled and I didn't really push or work or create much other than like you know, keeping up on the things I had to do and that was it. Mm-hmm. And that felt really good. So I just, yeah. and I, even like in the last couple of weeks, I've been like that too. Like I had just so much happening yeah. and then it's just so nice to be like, okay, I did that. And now it's like time to rest. So sometimes it's good to like go in those waves. I don't know. Yeah. And the summer is a good time for that. Yeah. Um, there's an article that I love that a friend of mine, Amber Ray passed along a few years ago. I can't remember the name of it, but it was, talking about how we have these kind of three hats that we wear. Um, I think everyone wears them, especially creative entrepreneurs, um, the editor, the agent, and the artist. And we have to constantly swap those hats. And it's something that I've really noticed in this process. I mean, I spent a really long time writing this book and kind of like living in an artist land. And during that time, and even in like the lead up to launch when I was still working on edits, I was so mad at myself, you know, when the time finally came to like reach out for blurbs and all of this other, you know, random to-do list things that um, are tied to launching a book. But I was like, why didn't I start this sooner? You know, like I wasn't really, you know, I was working on edits, but like I had a lot of free time. But I think for me, it's really hard to switch hats. And now that I've had the kind of the agent hat on for a while I just I've really had a hard time getting any creative work done even writing blog posts for my site so I'm hoping that I can kind of just like switch gears this summer even if it's feeling more like a rest sometimes like the rests are what you know breed creative (laughs) ideas and activity um yeah that article sounds fascinating yeah I'll send it to you I've heard Elizabeth Gilbert yeah for sure I've heard Elizabeth Gilbert talk about that like some she's like some people can work on their um like next book while they're on a book tour and she's like I can't like oh I have to do that and then I like you know we'll do uh, then she goes into like her cocoon where she can like focus and I feel like it's it's the same way you have to be like for me I'm very much like the conditions have to be right and I have to mm-hmm. like be inspired to do anything creative and then I get I know what you're feeling like too because like or what you're talking about because I get really frustrated sometimes too when I'm like I haven't done anything creative in weeks and it just yeah. I start to feel yucky and kind of restless with that but also it's okay to just like you have to live a life worth commenting on my favorite comedian says Mm. that so sometimes it's like well maybe we're getting life content and then we'll create something later yeah you know and you need time to marinate on that life content i think yeah yeah sure totally um so where is your parents' house that you're going to? In where did you grow up? Vineyard. Is that where you grew up? No, I grew up, you know, just a stone's throw on the Upper West Side. Oh, so you grew up in the city. I know, wow. I'm a rare breed of born and raised New Yorker. Wow, <laughs> what was it like growing up in the city? Um, okay, so I was born downtown. You don't know any different. But I do, I know a little different. Okay. I was born downtown um, in the 80s and in the West Village, and it was like such a different scene than it is cool. today. Um, definitely much more like gritty in a yeah. good way. And then my parents are both creative entrepreneurs, or cool. like maybe more just creatives. Yeah, what do they do? <laughs> so my mom, they're both kind of like artistic renaissance people my mom's like a writer of like every single medium and my my dad is like a writer director 
Wow. Yeah. So cool. So we then moved to Paris for like a year and oh a half because they were working cool. on a project. That's great. And then Do they we, work together and things? That was actually the only project they've ever oh. really worked together on. There are a couple wow. things now, but like any, the only thing that ever like came to fruition yeah. that they've worked on together. And I was like three, so I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't are you alive for that child? Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got all my onlys pegged. There's some, there are a lot of us, I yeah? think, in the... Yeah? Well, oh I don't gosh. know about the podcast world, but there, I know a bunch in the oh, food yeah. world. Oh, yeah. Well, tell me. Cool. Yeah. We can, we can yeah, talk yeah, yeah. only ch- child Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm fascinated by, like, things, like, people say that, like, our only children tendencies. Like, mm-hmm. I love all of that information about yourself stuff. Well, if you had moved to the city, like, four years ago, a friend of mine... <laughs> And I had an only child party. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm so mad. And we we're so proud of ourselves. We obviously. Oh my god, maybe we should have maybe we should resurrect that. We can, yes. I would love to. But that we did we like taped a center of attention in the middle of the room. Oh my god. And no one it was like that was gimmicky. And then we had like a whole food buffet that was like very like um like individualized. Like oh my make god. your make your own That's tacos, so I think perfect. it was. And um, it was really funny because <laughs> the invite list was, like, so random. You know, people yeah. from all corners of our lives just, like, brought together in the same place that for no other so reason. That is so cool. Okay, we have to recreate <laughs> yeah. that. We should do that, like, after your three-week vacation. Like, okay. we should do that at the end of the summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she'd be into it, too. We had a great time. And then, so, the only... Um, the only programming of yes. the evening was we ended up sitting around and having kind of like a salon style conversation. And the only two questions were one, have you ever done musical theater in your life? Oh my God. <laughs> and that was like a 90% response rate of yes. Of course, yes. There's another yes. <laughs> question two was, how many kids do you want? Oh. Which was much more varied and interesting. Huh. Yeah, um, we have to talk about that. Yeah, we can That's talk a whole about other that. conversation. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I love that idea so much. Yeah. So anyway, so Paris, you're, you're in Paris. And then the the lovely contrast moved to Westchester, which is okay. a suburb of New York City, but kind of like we were in like a more rural area. Okay. And then eventually, I think third grade, I moved back to cool. the Were city. you excited to come back to the city at that point? I was, I don't know. Well, that's the thing is that I really didn't it was like not the formative years that I had been here prior. So I actually felt a little bit like a country bumpkin. And I remember I showed up at school the first day of third grade and was wearing like a Laura Ashley, like sweater set and everyone was in jeans. I'd like never owned a pair of jeans. And I just felt, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so uncool. (laughs) Everyone here is so nineties grunge. So urban. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so cool. So as you got older, what was it like growing up in the city, like for high school? And is it like Gossip Girl? Like what? That's um, my only. The school I went to was not like Gossip Girl. There are definitely schools that are more like uh-huh. Gossip Girl. And I mean, Gossip Girl is a parody, but right. you know, it's not, you know, it's not unbased. Like, yeah. not, not based on reality. reality. Yeah. I think that I read that the author like went to private school in New York. Yeah. So she had, I'm Probably sure she has some idea. Schools. Yeah. Yeah. My school was like kind of liberal. It was also, um, well, there, there's like kind of three private schools up in Riverdale, which is um, in the Bronx, but like a fancy area of the Bronx. I hate it when people from my high school are like, I went to high school in the Bronx. I'm like, um, okay. Like, <laughs> real rough and tumble up in yeah. Riverdale. Um, but it was nice because we had like a campus and fields cool. and um, 
a bunch of like students who came from who lived in Westchester and came from there. So I don't know. I mean, I definitely like there was some some aspects of like growing up quickly, but at the same time, I had friends in Westchester um, where I lived for those few years, and for a lot of like I think a good portion of like my middle school and high school would go out there on weekends, mm-hmm. and you know I kind of like saw the contrast of like what her my best friend Anna's high school middle school friends were doing and what my friends were doing and like oh, it was wasn't cool. yeah it's like all the same yeah <laughs> probably like know how to use the subway really well yeah and yeah like you we're all smoking weed we're all yeah. stealing from the liquor cabinet and like it's the same stuff <laughs> yeah yeah but then I was like going to some like museums yeah on yeah too. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Different, like, modes of transportation, yes. same activities. Yes, yeah. yes. Safer to take the subway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably one of those things where, like, when people ask us, like, oh, well, did you like being an only child? And you're kind of like, I don't know any different. Yeah. So I don't know what it would have been like to have brothers and sisters. Like, you don't know what it would be like necessarily to, well, I guess you kind of do from your friends. But yeah. it's always hard to, to know. So then you, I heard that you went to Brown. Did mm-hmm. you come back to the city right after that what kind of happened next I did. After I know I keep me I keep meaning to move <laughs> to another city <laughs> to but why everything's here yeah <laughs> it just like it's sticky New York it just yeah. <laughs> sucks you in and yeah I'm a lifer probably yeah um but we'll see I don't know I I never thought I would move to Brooklyn being kind of like a born and raised Manhattanite um but I love it here yeah. and it's my area um I'm in Dumbo slash Vinegar Hill and especially like over in Vinegar Hill where my apartment is. It's so quiet. And I never thought I would be someone who wanted that having grown up with the hustle and bustle and the energy and like looking forward to returning to that every weekend from college or not every weekend, but when I come home and yeah, now maybe it's just like a function of age. Maybe it's the fact that like our daily lives involve so much more stimulation in the form of our phone and inboxes that I'm just like really happy to step outside and have it have people not like in transit to go from one place to the other my neighborhood is just people like walking their dogs oh that's really nice yeah that's how I'm like this is very personal but I'm like loving being in Brooklyn so much and then in a week I'm moving and it's kind of like oh I've I guess I just know what I like now. Like I, yeah. I'm really glad I got to experience living here. So I'm like, oh, I think that's probably what I what I will like. But I feel like I would probably always wonder what it would have been like to live in Manhattan. So I'm gonna get the best well, of both. I mean, nothing's set in stone here. Things yeah. move very quickly. Exactly. You can find like replacements totally. if you want to leave your situation. Yeah, and you can very fluid. quickly find something new. Yeah, elsewhere. Totally. Um, so when you went to Brown, you studied musical theater, or you were singing, right? I <laughs> I went as a musical theater major, but then I don't know. I guess my only childness like wore off a little bit, and I was yeah. like, you know what? Um, I kind of went there because. I mean, contrary to what a lot of people think, there are requirements, there are majors, but it has like a slightly more loosey-goosey approach to things. And pretty much, like, I think if you, if whatever you want to accomplish, like you'll find a way to do it. It's not like, it's not handed to you. Um, but I mean, I wanted to just study like a million different things. And by the end of my sophomore year, um, the most, like the classes that I'd already taken, like, I was like, oh, like they equate to this major more than any others. And it was an urban studies major, which I loved, actually. It was really interdisciplinary and interesting. What are some of the things you learned from that that you've like carried with you? I mean, just it's funny. um, 
my partner Charlie's rewatching The Wire, but mm-hmm. I joke like it. I think I watched The Wire after I graduated from college, but it's, The Wire is like a lot of what I learned in various like city politics classes and just oh, the way, cool. I mean, especially now with everything that's going on um, yeah. in our political environment. Um, one of my favorite classes is kind of, it was called city politics but it talked a lot about kind of like how like agencies came to be like unions came to be and just how all like I don't know just like the beauty of America and this like crazy system we set up for ourselves yeah Um, I'm dying to see that Jane Jacobs documentary have you mm -mm. seen that she what's it called um I have it pulled up on this computer Citizen Jane Battle for the City and she was the Mm. one that like there was this other guy who like came up with the freeway system and she was the one who like really was about like the neighborhood and the city and I remember I took some like required class like that we learned a little bit about like urban studies and I remember being like this lady is rad and so I like really want to see that oh cool adding to my list yeah I feel like you'd like it Um, Okay, so then from there, you somehow really got into food and travel, and you grew up being friends with Ina Garden? Yeah. (laughs) Tell tell me everything. So what happened next? How'd you get back to the city? Tell me everything. Okay, so Ina is one of my dad's best friends from high school, which is wild, Um, like public school in Connecticut. And so I've known her since like before she owned a specialty food shop on the in the Hamptons. And so probably as a consequence of her and just, you know, seeing her rise and getting addicted to the Food Network very yeah. early on, that was like my I mean, I won't say guilty pleasure. I just like loved it. And pleasure. Spend, yeah, yeah, just pleasure. I, I watched her show with my dad, but then I would just like sit in front of the television on weekends and just watch every single person from the golden age of the Food Network yeah. um, cooking. And so I think I learned a lot by osmosis. And my mom's an amazing cook, so I kind of grew up knowing, knowing the value of good food and what have you because of her. Um, so when I went to college, I was like one of the few people who like cooked once I lived off campus and had access to a very janky kitchen with very limited supplies, certainly no mandolins to yeah. be had there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I moved back to the city, I kind of, you know, it was, I think the first year in the real world is like a real like shock for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people get very depressed. I mean, you're working entry level jobs and, you know, trying to live in a city like not supported so by you your came parents. back to New York then and you lived I did. in Manhattan? I lived in Manhattan with one of my housemates from college. We were roommates. And I had actually a corporate job um, in marketing at okay. L'Oreal, cool. the makeup <laughs> brand. Um, and it was not a job that I ever thought I would end up in but yeah. um you know like the creative things I was interested in don't like recruit as a career day on campus yeah. so I ended up just kind of on a whim applying and interviewing and obviously because I didn't care about the job I was very relaxed yeah and they hired me yeah that's not how it goes <laughs> exactly and I remember I got the call it was so funny I mean I really had no idea like how these things worked and my parents didn't either like neither of them have ever had like a real quote-unquote job but I had like final round interview in New York and the night or the day before must have been the morning um I was at my friend's house who is 
who is applying to like all sorts of like eye banking and like serious consulting jobs. And I was like, yeah, so I'm like going to New York for this interview tomorrow. She was like, what are you wearing? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I think maybe this like skirt and this blouse. And she was like, what? She's like, you have to wear a suit, Phoebe. Oh my god! I was like, what do you mean? I don't know what a suit. She was like, you have to wear a suit to this interview. Oh, wow. And so I like called my mom. I was like, oh my god! Like, can you like go Yikes. out today and buy me a suit? And she was like, ah, uh, okay. Oh my god! That's so <laughs> and like, funny. thank God, we actually we kept the tags on. <laughs> to the interview at fit um oh my gosh. and yeah then on my train back to providence i got the call that i got the job wow. which was wild yeah. and i immediately started crying yeah. because i was like i don't really want this but it was good it got you to new york it got me mm. back it got me you know it gave me a lot of yeah. very useful skills i'm so happy i had that job yeah. i had it for two years but um about a year in i was feeling very um, starved creatively, even though the job was actually more creative than I thought it w- would be, but you know, a different, you know, that kind of marketing Not creativity. For yeah. yeah, it's different. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and so it kind of in that time, I was cooking a lot and like really found solace in having like swaths of friends over to like cram into my apartment oh, and making just like huge like vats of stew so or fun. chili. I wish I could go back in time and have been your friend forever. Oh yeah. It was really fun oh, actually. Lovely. I was I was the hostess with the mostess at that point that. in time. But again, like just by way of the fact that I cooked and everyone at that time was so starved for a meal. Yeah. And you literally know, starved. Literally starved for a meal and you know New York City is expensive. It's not easy to go, like, anywhere with a group of 10 people, let alone, like, a group of, like, 30 people, since that's, like, how you roll in college. Like, it's just, like, this realm of inclusiveness, or at least it was at at Brown. And, yeah, so it was just, like, kind of this great social capital to be able to cook and, you know, provide that space for people and not just, like, crowd into people's apartments, like, with solo cups, like, just to drink. Right, right, right. Um, So, like, the stories kind of from those evenings, I ended up um, Thanksgiving, uh, I guess, so... A year after I started this job, a year plus, um, Thanksgiving, I was feeling really angsty. <laughs> and my cousin, Sarna, who's like a wonderful voice of, of reason and just like a mirror to like my own brattiness, yeah. um, she was like, Well, like, what would you rather be doing than this job? And I was like, I don't know, like writing a cookbook. <sighs> and she was like, Okay, well, I mean, you can do that. Like, why don't you just do that? Yeah. And so the next morning, for whatever reason, it was like, divine intervention I went on like blogger.com and was like oh big girls small kitchen and got that like not even the url just got that like dot blogspot.com and sent an email to my best friend from high school who was like my like cooking comrade and I was like hey like we have a blog (laughs) that's so cute so yeah it was it was I mean and obviously her and I had been having kind of these like back and forth cooking conversations. We had co-hosted a lot of parties together. We had just like thrown our friend a like 23rd birthday party um, a few weeks before um, where we like catered all the food for like 50 people. Oh my gosh. Um, And so, yeah, it kind of, so my, my foray into blogging really happened. Like I dove right in with no idea what to expect or what to do. And it was lucky. It was 2008. So it was, 
it was kind of, I wouldn't say at the forefront completely, but yeah. certainly before the the market was too saturated. Yeah. And we just kind of like rode away at it and it became kind of like our how-to by life example for um, for quarter-life cooks for our peer oh group. Oh my God, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. And then that ended up becoming a cookbook, right? It did. So um, I like say it's like we got lucky all the time and I hate it when women say that, mm-hmm. but I really do think that we got a little lucky. And you're very talented and creative. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And like we're amazing. Course, but yeah. um, so Kara, my partner, worked in publishing. So, oh, okay. I mean, she was like an editorial assistant, yeah. like reading like the stacks of, of proposals that no one else wanted to read when they came in. But yeah. by way of that, like knew how to write a proposal cool. or like what was, was even, like she key. knew the process, yeah, like, which, which was amazing. And so we're, we kind of, it was weird. Like we, we started the blog always wanting to have a cookbook. I don't know. Like, I feel like now it just, I don't know, by way of like being around for a certain amount of time, like having a certain amount of traffic, that's like inevitably what comes of it. And for some people is like, you know, one of the like big, um, like bucket list goals of like becoming a blogger. Um, for us, I don't know. It was like, (laughs) we just like wanted a cookbook and thought we could just like write our way towards it um it wasn't even actually about like build I don't know we like had no idea how to like build a platform or anything it was just like a home for us to like share the recipes and the stories more importantly that we were making it was like a very nice mix that I think I've maintained through my current side and like through all the work I do of like one part like kind of memoir and one part recipe I Um, always love that with things because if I just read a recipe I'm like how did you come up with this? Yeah. I always love the story. Yeah, the origin story yeah. <laughs> of every recipe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so about six months in, I'd say, we like started putting together a proposal, and our traffic was not amazing by like today's standards, certainly, but probably not even for for you know 2009 standards. But we had really hit on a, a niche, you know? There yeah. wasn't really anyone out there who was speaking to our audience in the way that we were. And that was one of the reasons why I knew I had to do it is because I had been consuming all of these yeah. shows for so much time. And I was like, oh, well, there's like Rachel Way- Rachel Ray with her 30-minute meals. There's Sandra right. Lee who like does budget stuff. Have a niche. Yeah, and there's oh, um, no one really doing space. But I think the whole point of like, you know, quarter-life cooking and being young and having right. very little skill is that you're dealing with all of the contingencies yeah. and you have to balance them all from day to day yeah. it's not like you know if money is really a concern then maybe you're gonna have to like take a little bit more time do yeah. some DIY if totally. you know space is a concern like I don't know just everything you know is a give and take yeah um was so, Ina proud of the cookbook what yeah was it like she when wrote that came the forward out? oh that's so yeah great. she was really sweet I mean the book I'm very proud of it but it's yeah. it's a little bit <laughs> It's like definitely a first time author's book. We like had like, I don't know, this man, like friend of ours, I don't know, who we just like met through (laughs) blogging. He was so like generous as he took the pictures for free, but then like we took some of the pictures too. It's like, you know, it wasn't like a cohesive, like beautiful hardcover, like four color cookbook, which is fine because it had like so much personality and other things going for it. But, you know, we we had no real guidance and we just were like, that's so cool so when the book came out were you still working that corporate job when did you transition to working for yourself so I quit my 
my job like probably right before we got the book deal. Um, I could sense it was close. I just like really trusted it was going to happen and also trusted that like this was really what I wanted to do and not this job. Um, And it was definitely a risk and it was like the height of the recession. So even though my parents were like, when I told them I was taking a corporate job, like even then they were like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I'm so glad I did. And, and I mean, kind of the one good thing about the recession is that it really like fueled the gig economy. And I mean, I still don't really see a better way of getting your start in yeah. the food world than taking on what I call odd food jobs. But that is how I like made it work is, you know, quit the job. We got the book deal, but I mean, first time salary is not enough to live on A, right. especially in New York, and B, split between two people, right. like oh, certainly man. not. So, um we are lucky in that, you know, I think because we are writing about like cooking for such large groups, people just yeah. were like, "Do you cater?" And so, took on a lot of a lot of catering jobs wow. and I eventually took on like a private chef client and as the years went by, started teaching too. And so, yeah, wow, cobbling so doing, together. A so career. you're doing that full time, mm-hmm. and then now you're not still working with that partner. Does she have something on her own now too? Yeah, she um, is working kind of more as a journalist, oh, but okay. she kept the site, and so it still, it still exists. Like, yeah, cool. but so we're not quarter lifers. Yeah. <laughs> so then, meanwhile, you had some health things happening throughout that and then that kind of led you to the site you have now yeah so the funny thing is that like my health story and the food story started almost at the exact same time but it just like took a long time for them to intersect um so I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis awesome name (laughs) of a disease (laughs) it really is what is where does the name come from should you just define it now kind of Um, what it is yeah I mean it's named after the guy who like discovered it in Japan um but (laughs) Yeah, so it's an autoimmune condition that affects the thyroid gland. So like all autoimmune conditions, it's your your body self-attacking. Um, and the symptoms are everything from, you know, horrible fatigue and weight fluctuations are kind of top of, of line. Um, then, you know, digestive issues actually come with a lot of autoimmune conditions um, since your thyroid is in your endocrine system of of command and um, really is how your body delivers energy to your cells. Um, so yeah, again, that's where like the metabolism mm-hmm. comes in. Um, you know, insomnia, uh, hair loss, acne, you know, all of those things that are really associated with like hormonal imbalance. Yeah. So um, what were you experiencing? So I wasn't experiencing much of anything except for weight loss, which is unusual for Hashimoto's because um, the self-attacks make your thyroid slow down, which is the condition called hypothyroidism. Hyperthyroidism is when your uh, thyroid gland is overproducing the hormones. And usually with hypothyroidism, you gain, gain a lot of weight. Right. Um, and I can explain more about in retrospect hindsight why I did not but um yeah so I wasn't like you know too upset with that side effect (laughs) that symptom at the beginning and I was diagnosed just in my annual checkup with my childhood doctor um who's very savvy and I'm so lucky that she did like such comprehensive blood work why was she even doing the blood like such comprehensive blood work I think that's just if you were feeling fine I think that's just what she did, which is great. And I don't know. I actually, I have a friend who, um, 
who also saw this doctor and I think maybe it's something that she does like every few years mm. is do a full thyroid panel great um so I mean who knows maybe I had it in college it's yeah. definitely possible but I did notice some changes in that year which you know again it's like a big year of change like right. going from college to the real world yeah having the stress of a new job and there are a couple other environmental things that I talk about in the book that like certainly would have spurred an autoimmune yeah. condition um but yeah so I was diagnosed very lucky to have been um but however so autoimmune when you say these things conditions spawn that is it like a hereditary thing or you got it environmentally like how do how do people get so autoimmune diseases definitely do run in families to a certain extent and I need to do more research on the reasons why but um if we talk about the environmental stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, there are kind of like three major triggers, um, two of which physical and one emotional, mm-hmm. um, like a virus, like Epstein-Barr and Hashimoto's actually really have a correlation. And I got Epstein-Barr's mono and I got that senior year of high school. And like that really actually forever changed my energy and my oh, health. Wow. And, um, you know, a parasite also. Oh, okay. um, and so, yeah, kind of like, part two of that but like part two in general is some sort of gut imbalance which of course the parasite can cause um and gut imbalances which is where you know 70 percent of your immune system lies i mean that is stuff it's not like necessarily hereditary but um your like mother's immune system definitely affects your immune system when you you come out um so did your mom or anyone in your family have Hashimoto's or issues with no, thyroid? No, I don't have a history of it. My dad had some thyroid problems in his his twenties, um, but nothing that ever like kind of materialized after that. I was a C-section baby, so I'm probably <laughs> <laughs> only child C-section yeah. baby. Let's have a party for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'd be like, so who's autoimmune in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Who gets sick really often? Who likes cranberry kombucha? Yeah. We'll just like keep making it smaller so it can just be us that hang out. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Deal. Um, so yeah. So um, the environmental factors, the third one is stress. So mm-hmm. some sort of, you know, emotional event. And when I talk more to people who have autoimmune diseases, like certainly it's really common for people to hone in on the fact that it was like a turbulent emotional time Mm -hmm. in their life when they were diagnosed and for me I definitely could have I pointed to the physical um the physical factors one of them I mean I think I got a parasite when I traveled after graduating college um that went undetected I was tested when I got back and it came up negative and I really think that that was my physical trigger why did you think you had a parasite oh I mean I was really sick like Digestive stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was in Morocco and I like a touched down in Morocco and like didn't leave the toilet Riyadh floor, oh, like yikes. the beautiful mosaic tile oh, floor man. for a few days and was so weak. And afterwards, I mean, I had like a real iron stomach, like loved to travel and like eat my way around the world. And I was never the same after that. Oh, wow. So I think that was probably a factor. But then I also, I went through a really bad breakup a few months before I was diagnosed. And so kind of thinking more like what I've learned, you know, in doing the research for my book and in talking to other people, like I think that should definitely um, be weighted in terms of what contributed, but it's hard to really know. And there, there's unfortunately not a ton of research 
on autoimmune diseases. Yeah. I mean, there is research, but it's not on the scale of, of things like cancer, even though it's almost as prevalent, if um, not more prevalent. I need to look at my stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so you're diagnosed, you've quit your job now, you're working for Oh, I hadn't quit my you job. You hadn't quit your yeah. job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the diagnosis was like kind of a blip on the radar. I remember like I went home and cried. Um, it wasn't like I completely ignored the conversation completely, but um, my doctor didn't really explain what a thyroid was, didn't really explain what an autoimmune condition was. I mean, if she even explained that it was an autoimmune condition. And she like nonchalantly told me that all I had to do was go on this synthetic hormone. It was no big deal. I would just have to be on the hormone for the rest of my life. And that, for whatever reason, didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And so I said, no, thank you. And though those, <laughs> those, um, that instinct was probably right, I wasn't mature enough to actually begin exploring the other ways to treat myself. And probably because, you know, I wasn't experiencing any of the horrible symptoms Sometimes, yet. So right. didn't necessarily need to. But once I did start experiencing the horrible symptoms, I didn't really know enough. Like I didn't know enough to associate them. Um, like the fatigue, like depression, anxiety mm. for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the weight fluctuations, the digestive issues. I just like, I didn't know that that was, those were things that could be chalked up to, Hashimoto's. To Hashimoto's, yeah. And I actually still thought I had a parasite. Wow. Um, so then eventually you quit your job, you're cooking. I just found an almond in my shirt. Oh, no. In oh, my, my God, I love that. I <laughs> love Greece. that. That's Sorry. so funny. Put that there for later. Oh, my gosh. Took that from home all yeah. the way over here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, tip for uh, free podcast people, you can uh, keep almonds in the crease of your shorts. No need yeah. to use a pocket. <laughs> I love that. I've done that. Okay, sorry. Things. I was briefly distracting. Like, what is what this? Is that? That's so funny. <laughs> See, this is in-person podcast. In-person <laughs> podcast people. Um, okay, so you're, you've now quit your job. You're diagnosed with this. You're working with your friend. And yeah. then when, did, when do you kind of take the shift of, like, you have to do something about these symptoms? What happens next? So it was really the stomach stuff that got me in the door of a more holistic doctor because, you know, it was an occupational hazard. I was in the fetal position every time I ate. I really thought that I was allergic, that I was lactose intolerant. Um, but seeing this doctor, he did, you know, a whole host of blood work for food allergies and, um, and also for parasites mm -hmm. and, uh, put me on elimination diet and with kind of both results in hand, it was clear that actually it was gluten that was the issue, not dairy. I was just like eating dairy in, in the context of gluten all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I think like elimination diets are so important because you don't really know. It's very hard to kind of, you know, piece together and all these things. And it's different meals. for everyone, even with Hashimoto's? So it wasn't explained to me at that time either like why gluten was the problem for me in conjunction with the Hashimoto's. Um, now I know that like if there's one thing to take out of your diet, it's for Hashimoto's, it's definitely gluten. And that's because the gluten protein looks really similar to the thyroid protein. So when your body is kind of self-attacking in this way, it's like a chicken or the egg situation. It can't tell the difference. So right. um, if you already have like this antibody brawl and you introduce gluten to the mix, it's just gonna fan the flames. And even if like, you know, your immune system is semi-dormant and you add glued into the mix it's gonna be get riled up yeah. again so um that made kind of i wouldn't say it made a huge difference it definitely made a difference and it certainly helped the digestive issues mm -hmm. to 
to some extent. It like kind of brought me onto like a higher plane of um, yeah. <laughs> of normal. And but at the same time, just that one change was so emotionally jarring for me yeah. and really felt like so the end of the world cook, as someone who loved to travel oh yeah and it was ironically a week before the cookbook came out and oh, I couldn't eat any of the recipes in it anymore oh my gosh so and also you know in in creating this cookbook with someone else having a site with someone else it really felt like our perspectives were yeah. were going in opposite directions even though like I wouldn't have wanted them to you know right. I felt very married to all of my childhood comfort food that I was cooking and writing about yeah. um so yeah I was feeling my way through that and also yeah figuring out how to be like a private chef and like take advantage of the gig economy and like feeling like I wasn't you know it's not like I was getting like that much work at that point that you know I didn't I could be picky and like say and like kind of change my like food point of view um no it felt like very disruptive um to what I had chosen to do for my life and also for my social life because it just wasn't as known back then yeah um what gluten is yeah so how did you make that change what happened next how did you end up coming to the wellness project um so I made it very reluctantly obviously um but I would say I was like you know 70% there and was so lucky in that I had the like cooking skills to to make it work it was just like another added contingency so you did this elimination diet with the doctor mm-hmm. and now you're cooking for yourself you're healing yourself really with this mm-hmm. and doing all these lifestyle changes not yet not yet no. okay so you're yeah still gluten not, was all I could handle so all you did is take out gluten okay. yeah pretty much all I could handle but you're right not then. on the drugs I wasn't on the drugs yet, no. Okay. Because it was kind of like that was such a big change. Right. Um, let's see, like what happened. Yeah, what happens okay. afterwards. So you're not eating gluten, but you're not really changing anything else. No, that okay. was the one change that I could stomach, and yeah. I could barely stomach that change. Um, so yeah, then I think like plateau, better plateau. Um, about a year later, my partner and I went our separate ways. I also broke up with my long-term boyfriend. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like the break of when, you know, the new normal plateau just like started to descend again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was very depressed that year. And that obviously affected a lot of things upstairs. (laughs) The upstairs affected a lot of things downstairs. And I don't know, I think because of that, I maybe again didn't necessarily like put my finger on the fact that some of this stuff was maybe driven by physical and not just yeah. mental, although again, they are so combined. so related yeah. and combined. Um, but eventually, I ended up in the office of an acupuncturist who specializes in Hashimoto's oh, and wow. I like trust with my life and then a more holistic endocrinologist at like the whole Rolodex. And that's when I kind of really got into some of this wellness stuff. Um, but again, like in similar to your story, it kind of took me to a place of feeling like a little bit unhealthy and like, you know, I was just constantly failing to, you know, to manage all of these laundry lists of dietary and lifestyle labor. I mean, the fact that gluten was (laughs) that hard is like the one change for me, one change for me. And then to kind of talk to this extremist doctor who's like, no, you can't eat any canned food because of the BPA. If you're going to eat any grains, you have to soak them overnight. Like, you know, you can't eat any non-organic food of any kind. Like you have to detox your entire social life. Yeah. You have to detox your entire makeup cabinet, like everything in the kitchen. Yeah. And like, 
my skin was actually like had really <laughs> rebelled at that mm. point as well and so the idea of like changing my makeup which I was is like, so hard no. yeah yeah exactly and yeah feeling incredibly feeling like okay I'm manning up to like take this seriously but like I'm not willing to experience like so much isolation as a result because having yeah. this kind of like invisible chronic condition is hard enough yeah um so long story short it's like already like a very long story but eventually I kind of reached this place of like the question that was constantly on my mind which is the subtitle of the book was how do I do right by my body without giving up my life Mm. and I didn't feel like any of the yeah but I mean it's it's a question that so many of us are asking especially like young 20 somethings who you know are at this place where like they really want to grab life by the balls um but are like kind of at that crossroads of like adulting and trying to you know do things that are mature and you don't want to miss out on relationships but also we're into health and wellness and it's like that balance of it's almost like we know too much to just Mm. be able to have fun without like what we know and then you know when I'm eating I just talked about this in my Wonderlust talk but when I was like eating perfectly soaking the things not doing the food combining <laughs> sleeping blah blah yeah. blah I was the least happy yeah and then when I'm like stay up a little too late or I have a drink or whatever I'm way more happy which I think makes me more healthy I know it makes me more healthy it absolutely does so, so anyway I took yeah. on this project and I approached it I decided like I want to approach this in a way that all of these other doctors protocols like haven't and that you know a like change is really hard like mm-hmm. let's acknowledge that yes. the struggle is real yes um screw you doctors like yes really they not that easy that's just, there's just no talk of that it's like just do yeah. this and you'll be ha- happy and healthy yeah without any yeah just do this four-week plan yeah. for, in which you remove everything that yeah. <laughs> brings you joy <laughs> and yeah. like and like it might be a life sentence so yeah good luck <laughs> yeah. yeah good luck to you yeah. um so yeah so i really wanted to see what was worth my time, money, and energy because I felt like I was just getting completely distracted from the things. I mean, it was partially like the things I knew, but I didn't even have like that much of like a deep knowledge of them. It was just like kind of lists of like bad versus good, which yeah. I think is a very unhealthy place to mentally yeah. um, feel, I don't know, immersed in. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, like the mission here is I'm going to figure out what's actually worth the time, money, and energy. And I'm going to do it with, like, real awareness towards, like, weighing the pro and con of, like, what something is doing for my body, but also, like, what it's doing for all of these other kind of, like, all of these other equally important areas of wellness, my financial wellness, my social wellness, and, like, as you, like, just, like, the freedom to make my own choices and live. Um, And to, yeah, so to evaluate those two against one another and give myself the freedom to say like even if something has the best like scientific and spiritual intentions like maybe it's not going to be sustainable or worth it for me um so anyway I put together inspired by Gretchen Rubin this kind of 12 month health odyssey um and I think part of the reason why I was able to be organized about it and like committed to it is that I did do it on my site um at this point I had started my new blog feed me phoebe and the focus of that from the beginning because of the time in my life that i started it was gluten-free recipes but mm-hmm. i'd slowly started to integrate a little bit more of the wellness conversation onto there um so i was gonna you know do this month by month plan and i blogged about like kind of what i was doing and then the conclusion with maybe a few like 
little bits of content in between. Um, but by the end of it, I didn't want to force it to be cumulative. Um, it was really just to like get that contrast of like doing something for 30 days, seeing like what the actual benefits yeah. were. And then, you know, some of the stuff naturally stuck, which was great. Can you give um, some examples of the things that you were doing? Some that didn't stick and some that did? Yeah. So, I mean, the Are first... Are these all in the book? Yeah. I'm the... so excited to read the book, but I haven't yet. Oh my so. God, I forgot your copy. I'm such it's, a dumb... No, it's... Oh my Great. gosh. Okay, I'm coming back with Kimbo. Perfect. I just want to hang out. So Well, I brought you a tote bag, but I forgot oh. the book. <laughs> it's okay. I'm excited. This is good. I'm getting like a this is like making me excited. Yeah. Okay. So the first experiment was certainly not to be not meant to be cumulative or long term because I gave up ca- caffeine, alcohol, and sugar for 30 days, which was probably the most intense All for me. All at the same time. All at the mm-hmm. same time because I really felt that, well, the intention behind it was to give my liver a jump start, mm-hmm. not to do any sort of like juice cleanse or like cool. quote unquote detox, but to actually like get to the root of like if you're detoxing your liver, it's really just taking the things that are like getting in its way out. Cool. And um, from my understanding, just by from a practitioner that I had been seeing at the time, like those were the three of the liver's biggest vices, which were also my biggest vices. Yeah. <laughs> so thought I'd get those over with really early on while my willpower was strong. Yeah. And yeah, so while I guess those three things weren't particularly in isolation from each other, um, I think it was actually really important to do them together because they kind of fuel each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're like up late drinking too much, like you kind of don't make the best food choices. Um, and certainly for me, that was like sweet things. Um, mm-hmm. And then you don't need, you know, the next morning you're going to need more caffeine in order to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, taking those three hours. But then you did that for 30 days and then you started to be able to add those things back in mm-hmm. so now you can have them in you know moderation yeah. in life and moderation's hard I mean that's like that was the secondary challenge um but I think seeing like how good I felt and so the main like aha moment like the big like breaking point like for this actual project was my skin and I thought that this like whole liver reset would actually help that and it was incredible um, it did? Yeah. So oh. I had this like outbreak of something called perioral dermatitis, like pretty much once a year, every year since I had been diagnosed with autoimmune mm-hmm. disease. Of course, never made the connection. And I had like gone what through... What is it? Is it like acne kind of? It's or? like kind of a rash. Okay. I have like, I don't know. I feel like I have like a, um, a shadow of it at all times. Like... <laughs> It just, like, was around I've been thinking this whole time how your skin is, like, gorgeous and beautiful. thank you. I'll (laughs) take that compliment. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) No, you look beautiful. You're in, like, perfect light right now. Oh, thanks. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of this weird, like, small, like, bumpy pink rash. Which is, honestly, it was, like, much harder to, like, cover up with spackle than, than, like, the odd, like, pimple, even if it's, like, cystic acne. And it just, like, makes the whole, like, your whole complexion just, Mm. like... Yeah. Um, anyway, so I was struggling with that and had gone like the traditional means to like a dermatologist and taken all of the like terrible creams. And this and really helped taking yeah and those things. Yeah, just for thirty days, and I've never gotten perioral dermatitis again. That's great. But you're able to have you know the occasional drink or yeah. have sugar, and it's fine. But it's now I know like with awareness how those two things actually affect me like honestly coffee wasn't I didn't miss it that much so I was just like I'm gonna keep this out it's not it's not affecting my health or my hedonism 
in like sorry what's affecting my health like a lot more than it is my hedonism right. to keep it out right um so which that is my favorite point which i want to get back to your story but why don't you just while you mentioned it health versus hedonism it, i love the way you kind of define that and i think it's so it's like so brilliant to everything that i talk about and totally. want to share with what i do so yeah so I've, i wish i had like created a more official definition when i wrote the book but yeah. i've come up with one now okay great. Um, but <laughs> it is that like kind of pro con list you I mean because it's not in before. the book it's not and in you the wish book, you could go back like a blog well i talk about it all the time but it's like i like never came up with like an official yeah definition. well here we go here we go exclusive it's, <laughs> woohoo! it's um balancing the things that nourish your body with the things that feed your spirit and that doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have to be just like wine and chocolate yeah. chip cookies, although like for some people it does include wine and chocolate chip cookies, but it's, yeah, it's again, just like anything that brings you some sort of pleasure or joy and it's up to you to define what that is. And I will say like, you know, my, your body is constantly changing and your idea of hedonism does change as well. And specifically for like the caffeine, alcohol and sugar, I didn't want to be a problem child at the table. I didn't want to like disrupt the atmosphere yeah. and I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like right. that to me, I just, I was like, that's like, you know, my hedonism too. Yeah. Like, but I realized, you know, I'm being more aware and really like paying attention to my my instincts and my cravings, both emotional and physical, during even just that first challenge, like that that was actually bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like being the problem child at the table is like really something that's not worth it. Like you just have to yeah. get over that. Yeah. <laughs> and had setting healthy boundaries like I did that month in a big way. Right. Like it really didn't change my relationships. Like people got over it. People forgave. And especially, like, my partner Charlie and I had just started dating. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. How did you guys meet? We met um, through a mutual friend. Nice. Yeah. But it was still, I mean, so I had known him for a little bit, but it still was, like, the honeymoon period. It felt really new. So and right in the midst of a new relationship, you're like, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And what, so what was that conversation like? Was it... It was hard to like go out together. <laughs> yeah, I kind of didn't even really give him a full debrief. I just like was like, this is happening. Yeah. Uh, and Which is great. It's like a great test for him too. Of like, oh, he's a keeper. He's chill with this. Right. Well, I mean, that didn't stop me from feeling extreme anxiety <laughs> during that first, you know, period. I mean, some of the things I knew would affect him more than others. Like obviously right. that one would affect him a lot more. Switching my beauty products, like wouldn't necessarily affect him but it would actually like I was very nervous to like give up my yeah. face products that was like hiding this like prepubescent acne and perioral dermatitis yeah. from him all the time so yeah it just generally it kind of like upped the ante on my nerves for the whole thing yeah. and I mean it was something that I definitely talked about a lot in the book because I think it's like these are these are the contingencies that no one is acknowledging when it comes yeah, to changing our behavior. Because exactly. um, unfortunately, we cannot be healthy in a vacuum. Um, and yeah, so it was tough. And I mean, it's, there's a story about this in the book. It sounds so silly. But the first night that I saw him during the no alcohol month he showed up on my doorstep I told him by the way he showed up on my doorstep with like a bottle of wine and it sounds so like lame but even just like in that moment being like what do I do? Uh. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and I can just feel, like, the, like, like the burst yeah. of anxiety of, like, how am I going to handle this? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was just, like, passive aggression that, like, shot yeah. out from my eyeballs. Like, yeah. I told you. Like, but more, more, it was actually the anxiety of just, like, having to say no and knowing that I was, like, kind of taking an experience away from him because, I mean, yeah. he could have opened the bottle of wine and had some, but, you know, it's, like a partnership from the get-go and like right. I don't know both of us I think really and one of the reasons why I'm sure we like found each other like really are all about like the shared yeah. um the shared meal the shared experience yeah. and like food as a way to gather and enjoy yeah. other people's company so so I mean, has that been something and talk about that in your relationship like throughout this and where you are now how does health and hedonism how do you guys combine that now? Like now you do share a glass of wine and a meal or like have something sweet and it's okay when you travel. Like how does that work out now? Yeah. So, I mean, it's nice. I mean, I obviously do a lot more cooking than he does when he's not making shaved Brussels sprout salad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he, he used to cook a lot more before I came along, but I feel bad. I was kind of like, you know, kicked him out of the kitchen to some extent. But when I have control of the meals, like I get to make, you know, the, the healthy things and that they can I love. combine and, health and heat. Yeah, and he like you know will get on board. Luckily, he he likes the healthy things. He just also really likes burgers. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he really likes wine. Um, so it was actually I think the alcohol much more so than the food stuff was was kind of the the tricky thing with him. Um, but at the time and during that year, we didn't live together and, you know, by way of being like two young professionals mm-hmm. on like other sides of the city, like we didn't see each other like that much. Right. Now that we live together, like I've really had a halo effect on, on yeah. his habits and he's had digestive problems for, you know, a decade. And f- I finally got him to do an elimination diet this past oh, cool. January and it was incredibly eye-opening for him in the same way that like even my knowledge was one thing but like experiencing the effects viscerally was so important for me at every stage of this project um but yeah he like he thought he was maybe like allergic to fish like blah blah blah, because he would always get like feel sick after sushi but Mm -hmm. it turns out he's allergic to soy and i mean dairy could have told you it was an issue but it was good for him to really experience like you know what it was like to reintroduce dairy and to like feel so sick and so, yeah, I think, I mean, I've had to learn the whole hard way my whole life that you can't, like, change people. Totally. And I definitely tried during the course Even of my year. Even with a mandolin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, you, like, he had to learn that lesson for yeah. himself. Like, I warned him, but I wasn't going to, like, you yeah. know, be like, no, you can't use that. Yeah. So, yeah, I was mad at him because he made the dumb choice and learned so, the hard lesson, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, with where you guys are now with your, um relationship and your health and hedonism and something I today I, I like spent the day kind of going through your blog and I loved your travel guides of Paris yeah. and, and I know travel is such a important part of your life and as we went through your story I feel like we didn't mention that at all but how do you you know incorporate this wellness project and like talk more about like your hedonism I guess and like yeah. how where you are with that now like you know these are the things I, I'm not giving up and I feel like we we touched on you know getting how great getting rid of sugar and dairy yeah. and alcohol and coffee were and caffeine were but like what are some things that you do that you know maybe people would be surprised or how do you bring in the pleasure into you know while still having yeah you know, this kind of thing. 
Well, so I think part of it was actually focusing on other things than food. I mean, I think I'd gotten really bogged down with the food piece and had forgotten about some of these other like macro things that were so important. So over the course of my like year long exploration, I dealt with hydration and sleep and stress management for sure. Um, and just like repopulating my gut flora, which of course does involve food, but I don't know, just like with a different lens on it. Yeah. And I think just like having this back pocket toolkit to use on any given day no matter what the circumstances and pick and choose accordingly is just like such a different and important way of like moving forward with the quote-unquote healthy hedonism philosophy on a day-to-day basis and so especially when I travel well okay so like part two I would say like big learning from the project was also um how to define like my non-negotiables versus the wiggle room mm, cool. and I think that's like incredibly important if you do want to find that balance between health and hedonism um, because you know we can't be rigid about everything and mm. some of the things are just less important than others there's a hierarchy for me like gluten 100% the non-negotiable much more non-negotiable than it was before I started the pro- the project and like actually did the research and learned the correlation yeah. for Hashimoto's with you know with gluten and that it wasn't just like a stomach ache that were the repercussions but it was you know actually hurting an organ mm-hmm. so um the rest you know I'm much more aware about what makes me sick um but the, like some of the other food stuff there is more wiggle room and while I don't like you know have gotten over being the problem child at the table it's like the wiggle room is for the stuff that matters like going to Paris and wanting to like eat a motherfucking like gluten-free eclair yeah (laughs) yeah and just enjoying it yeah and like you know like embrace curiosity and embrace just like having different experiences out in the world um yeah so when I travel it's definitely also if I'm going to be like indulging on the food front, which is how I like to travel. I mean, I like to taste my way around the world, but learning, you know, the other things that I can supplement. Um, a lot of the time I travel, I'm doing a lot of walking besides LA. I was there last week and or two weeks ago. There was not a lot of walking clearly. Um, but in Paris, the trip you mentioned, like certainly a ton of walking, um, time outside in the sunshine I mean these sound like justifications for like unhealthy choices made but they're really not I mean it all adds up in some way shape or form and um, I think another aspect of travel and just not wanting to um, like waste any time in a new place I used to like really force myself to like like use every minute of the day and now I'm a lot more like flexible and into the siesta and like really like napping if I'm tired and not stressing about you know making the most of every single minute and I think that that really balances out some of the other choices yeah oh I love that so while I have you here so Mm -hmm. getting into like Hashimoto's just a little bit more for people listening who might want to might think that they might have it or just have no idea or like maybe I've heard like oh I think I have a thyroid thing I'm Mm. not sure what should how did you find a good practitioner what can people ask when they go to just their doctor wherever they live in the world what are some of your tips that people I'm sure people ask you about this often yeah so 100% ask your your doctor for a full thyroid panel if you have experienced any of the symptoms I talked about and if they give you any pushback like oh why you don't need that 
Um, find a new doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so important. I mean, most of the time, not to get too nitty gritty, they're only testing for TSH, which isn't even a hormone that's excreted by the, by the thyroid. It's from the pituitary gland kind of signaling to the thyroid, you know, what kind of production levels are needed. So um, in some senses, you can gauge, like if your TS, uh, TSH is really high, it means that you're your thyroid is underperforming, but there's so many other pieces of the puzzle. Of course, two big ones being like the different thyroid hormones mm-hmm. in your bloodstream. Um, and then for the autoimmune part, it's really important that they actually test for the antibody. Um, so usually a, thi- a full thyroid panel will include all of those things, but if you wanna be sure, make sure you get the TPO, which is the antibody, T3, reverse T3, and T4 checked. Okay, write that down, people. Cool. I feel like I'm glad that we handled that. So I want to ask you the questions I ask everyone. But before I do that, what um, what are like some of the heathenism things that you like are your favorites? That are your kind of things that you love indulging in, or some that you've indulged in recently? Um, well, on the food front, French fries. My like tagline used to be like competitive french fry eater like my my mini bio whatever um i love french fries but it's actually like a fairly big no-no for gluten-free people just because the fryer is usually cross-contaminated with with other fried foods that are dredged in flour so um that was also one of the things i definitely um turned a blind eye to during my early years of Gluten-free, yeah. the gluten-free lifestyle um but now i mean there's so there's many options, so many options. The chloe fries what are the by chloe fries yeah. contaminated no no because yeah, they're, they're not so even good. fried they're they're air, air fried they're so good yeah they're delicious yeah, so um yeah and there are a lot of places in the city that have gluten-free fryers now dedicated cool. gluten-free fryers um so yeah it's a lot easier to like eat my, yeah. <laughs> eat my french fries um, but then other things, I mean, I found so many healthy things that I find hedonism in, like yeah. simply like taking baths. I love taking baths. I love taking a midday walk and it's more just like kind of justifying those things and creating yeah. room for them in my life. Um, but yeah. And again, that kind of goes with like the idea of hedonism changing, like, yeah. you know, my idea of like a wonderful, like solo night, like doesn't include necessarily include like a glass of wine, like a, a doesn't necessarily even include like a tv binge although sometimes it includes both and some time in the bathtub but you know it 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 includes like a lot of these like self-care things just like putting on a face mask and relaxing and not trying maybe we should have an only child sleepover oh my god amazing (laughs) those all sound lovely for sure um Okay, so some, one of the questions I ask everyone, we talk a lot about body image on the podcast, and something that I think with that all women, all people really deal with, and especially, you know, being someone who's in the food industry and in the wellness industry and just a public person in general, is body image something that you've struggled with? And if it is, you know, how do you shift out of that, what I call like a bad body image day? How do you make that not turn into a bad body image week or month? How do you kind of shift yourself out of that mentally? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely hard, and anyone who has Hashimoto's, I'm sure, deals with it. I won't say more than others, but certainly does. But um, for me, it's it's really, I've tried to get over um, 
the idea that like skinny equals healthy mm-hmm. that was like a huge lesson that I had to learn like even just with that first doctor and getting off gluten because I actually gained like a little bit of weight back but it was like all very good weight like I looked better my skin was so, like like I still had the outbreaks of peril dermatitis but like the glow came back yeah um and I think like skinny had been such I don't know, this like road bump on my path to health and it really prevented me from from seeking out help, from making changes, from like really committing to healing because I didn't want to like jeopardize, you know, adding some LBs back on the scale, which is totally silly. I mean, I'm lucky I've been built like slim my whole life, but it's just hard. And, And talking about growing up in New York City, I mean, just the idea of like, of the numbers going up versus down is so ingrained in us no mm-hmm. matter like like what it's for so right. I think I, I got over that to to some extent and just realizing like that I was skinny because my gut was in such dire shape that I literally wasn't absorbing any nutrients that I was eating wow. um so I was like I was a clinically malnourished chef which oh my, my doctor did not you know yeah, that could out. have been a book title for a <laughs> <Yeah>. memoir. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I think just the more I've begun to, like, understand how my body functions and, like, come to terms with, like, having a disease and needing to, to manage that first and foremost, I mean, it's never going away. The symptoms can be, quote, unquote, reversed or die down. But, like, the, my immune system is off the rails, like, probably for good. And yeah. um, I just need to manage that. So, actually, weight is more of an indicator to me that like something is off Uh. you know if my thyroid slows down I start to notice it kind of in my face first um it's like a bloat and like I mean it is your thyroid is in the base of your neck so maybe I'm just like pay more attention to that area to begin with but um it's kind of like a red flag to me in that way but um for the rest of it and like the pursuit of being skinny I kind of just like let myself off the hook for that these days and I'm lucky in that like my body's kind of like evened out um going off the pill was actually a huge mm. thing and like my body evened out after that like I don't know like, yeah. I gained some weight back prior to that but then I lost some weight after going off the pill because I think I was just holding on to yeah lord knows what yeah because of it wow. um so That's yeah, how to but how to get out of a bad body image day? I think yeah, just just always kind of like coming back to the idea of like of of health and that I just want to make sure like my organs are chugging along and I'm putting yeah. my best foot forward and that's all that matters. Yeah, well, that's great. So another thing I always ask people is, what are your morning routines? So what are the first few things you do when you wake up in the morning and how that affects how the rest of your day goes? So that was a whole challenge. That was like my last oh, challenge for like perfect. the stress busting month because I think it's like kind of I mean we can say like yes I'm going to meditate yes I'm yeah. going to journal both things that I did for cool. my morning routine but you know and let until you have that like scheduling yeah. that routine I think it's it's hard to just like yeah especially working for yourself oh yeah yeah um so nowadays I actually I loved I loved my journaling month I've sadly let that habit slip a little bit I want to yeah. get back wait into let's it this before summer. we talk about your routine because that's a, that would have been my next question I always ask people you know what their relationship to journaling is so what was that 
month like for you? So I did the artist's way cool. and did like the morning, morning pages. pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first exercise in my book is based on yeah. Julie Cameron. Yeah. Oh, I know. Because I've done your exercise <laughs> too. Post project. So but yeah. <laughs> so what was yeah. that like for you doing that every day? It was great. And my idea of like what morning pages were supposed to be was very different than like actually sitting down with the artist's way and reading yeah. about it. I feel like I'd heard about it through yeah, a lot yeah. of creative entrepreneurs over the years. And I was like, oh yeah, like it's such a good creative exercise because like your mind is so open in the morning and you'll just like have these strokes of brilliance. And then I read Julie Cameron and I was like, oh wait, no, like it's actually like completely, just it's just about getting out of your own way. Yeah. And so you can be productive later on exactly, in other sessions. Yeah. And that was really liberating. Yeah. Um, so it was a very positive experience and I loved like doing it as kind of like the tail end of the project because there was like a lot of uncertainty just like with other areas of my life like with Charlie and I we're going to move in together mm, and that's big. yeah I won't just like personal spoilers you know like yeah. narrative spoilers yeah, but yeah. um it was like a really like uh, it was also I was approaching my 30th birthday so I don't know there's just like a lot yeah. of stuff in the attic that needed to get aired on yeah. paper that no one else would wow, ever read cool. Um, and then, yeah, I tried, I actually, I think in your first exercise, you like end with gratitude or like yeah. incorporate that. Yeah. I tried to do that too, just cause I don't know, some of the, most of the time, yeah, most of the time the morning pages would be fairly negative. Yeah. I think they tend to start really negative and then you start to self-soothe as yeah. you go down the page. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I liked ending with yeah. just like three gratitude items. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, so back to the morning routines. Okay, so now today, sadly, yeah, <laughs> sadly, the journaling has slipped, but this summer I'm feeling good about getting, especially the next three weeks when I'm decompressing. I'm going to get back into it. Um, but now it's just 20 minutes of meditation in cool. the morning. Do you do TM? Um, yeah, Vedic. Okay. Very similar. similar yeah. Yeah. Cool. And oh, yeah, you learned with um, the person that came on our friend Jess's podcast. Yeah, Ben cool. Tertian. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. So um, cool. Yeah, that's my only, like, kind of non-negotiable in the yeah. morning. And, you know, when I'm traveling, I have made it a little bit more negotiable than I should. Yeah. And then I usually, like, fix myself some tea and sometimes... What kind of tea? Breakfast. Um, green tea. Or herbal, depending on my, my energy levels. Yeah. And, yeah, then I... What's your go-to breakfast? Um, well, I try not to, I don't like to make breakfast as part of my morning routine. Uh-huh. I'd much rather have something to like grab. So, I mean, like the base, you know, china pudding and, yeah. and overnight oats and things like yeah. that. Or like now that it's warm, I'll make a smoothie cause that's easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Cool. And I also like, depending on when I'm getting my start, usually it's pretty early, but since I work from home and tend to have a lot of leftovers around, like I'll eat like a savory breakfast. Like yeah. I did this morning. I had just like random like vegetable like Whatever. melange with a fried yeah. egg on top. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So what about in the evening, the second half of the day? What are the last few things you do before you go to sleep and how does that affect how you relax? That I need to work on a little bit more, but um, I put my phone on airplane mode. I plug it in. And um, Charlie and I actually, it does involve a device, but our kind of collective evening routine is we'll do a crossword puzzle before bed. Oh my gosh, that's what Nick and I do all the really? time. We do them in the morning usually, though, or whenever. Not, For whatever, I really find it winds the me down. The New York down Times app? Yeah. 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 It's so fun. It's so fun, and I think it's I like, like to drive. I'm like terrible at it. I always like accidentally delete words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, drive. and it's kind of addicting. You want to like keep doing more. Yeah. We did them on our road trip coming here. How? I would do it oh. and then read them. <laughs> but then it was kind of challenging because then I would be like, can you look at this? Like, we're never going to get this one. Yeah, because I like, find it so visual. Should we check puzzles? Should we check word? Or like... Yeah, we do that sometimes. 
yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. I love that. I Anything think it's great else? though. It and it's is. nice to, I mean, I think it's nice to do it together. Yeah. I want to get more into like reading separately, but I think it's like good because sometimes like we'll wind each other up just by even just like, yeah, you know, bedtime talk, like girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Lynn Chin, who I know you did her podcast mm-hmm. and our friend, her, when she did my podcast, she said something that I loved that her and her husband read to each other at night. I know that was my reaction too and I love that and sometimes it's fun just like an article or like a whatever that's really cute maybe we'll start that anyway I really like the collective bedtime ritual for whatever reason that's great and actually like in my sleep month it really I really talked a lot about like the art of like sleeping with another person because oh, it's that's never that, talked it's about it's never talked about in, like, and sleep all, books yeah and all of these sleep studies are done with individuals in a lab um, and it's impossible yeah. I think to come up with any sort of solution when like potentially like the the impediment to your sleep is yeah. like not physically present <laughs> Wow, that's so, so interesting. Yeah, we talked a bit about that. And for me, it was actually like freeing myself from from the stress of like having to get to bed at a certain hour and not like actually enjoy the time together before yeah. bed. Because I think it's just like such a beautiful, intimate time. Again, especially like, you know, we weren't always, you know, spending our evenings together. It was just like converging under one roof yeah. and like wanting to download on the day. And yeah. I don't know, again, like pillow talk. Yeah. Yeah. Which is my favorite thing. Like ever. although it's only child sleepovers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's, I have a million more questions that I want to ask you, but we both probably need to like get up and go to the bathroom. So we'll do these as quick fires. Okay, cool. Oh God, I'm so keep bad the, at quick fires. Keep the momentum going, <laughs> but it's also okay. Um, so just say the first thing that comes to your mind, but we'll get some momentum with some easy ones and then there's some that okay, might be longer. Cool. Okay, favorite color? Green. Favorite day of the week? Ooh, Friday. Mm-hmm. Favorite <laughs> hour of the day? Uh, like 6 p.m. Nice. Um, how do you handle stress in your life? Um, I go for a walk. Nice. Um, What is one thing that you wish more people knew about you? (laughs) I just got this in a recent quick fire, and so I will answer because it's a weird thing. I have an orange phobia. Orange? Like the color or the food? No, just the food. But like it kind of, my bias extends to the color a little bit. (laughs) So you don't like the flavor of anything orange? Yeah, or the smell. It's really like any, the scent, I find it very upsetting. Because I was as a kid, like orange flavored things was always my go-to. And like I hated anything grape flavor. And I still have that now. Like anything grape flavor. I'm okay with the grapes. I don't even love them. But like the flavoring of grape anything grape mm. is like not my jam but like orange i love that's like oh so we'll enter sleepover yeah we'll maybe get some like popsicles i don't even know yeah <laughs> make our it's own like popsicles. healthy gummy bears yeah and like you can have all the oranges we'll pick them out yeah isn't that funny um what is the best thing you've eaten in the last week Oh, in the last week. Um, well, Charlie's finger Brussels sprout salad was delicious. There's a little blood in there. <laughs> yeah. um, blood is the secret ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> blood and that, finger. Yeah, blood and finger. No, I'll actually say it was another meal that he made. Um, he had a whole little dinner party while I was at one of my book events oh, for wow. some of his co-workers and he like saved me a plate that I oh, came home so to nice. what was and, it um it was just like simple he did like a little surf and turf and it was just like nice. some like leftover like steak and like yummy salad nice. and um 
like roasted asparagus and, cool. and potatoes. What's your favorite recipe you've ever created? Oh, that I've ever created? Honestly, I'm not even trying to plug this book, but the turmeric chicken in the book is so I heard so you talk good. about that on <laughs> Just Renan's podcast, and you can, like, veganize it, yes, right? Yes, you like, can. It's um, just, like, somehow the roasting is just, like, white wine, lemon juice, turmeric, and it just does magical things in the oven, yeah. and I have made a version with just plants, vegetables. and it's delicious, too. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. I want to try that for sure. What other? Talk about some of the other recipes in the book that you really like other than that one yeah so there are two recipes at the end of each chapter kind of like inspired by some of my favorite food memoirs like Ruth Reichel's books um and yeah they're not they're kind of it's healthy comfort food a mix of things I love there's this um sweet and spicy pepita cashew snack mix oh stop it which I should have brought you some of as well because I have oh okay well I will do you on that I'll I'll send you a care package oh my gosh or we'll hang out in person yeah (laughs) exactly I'll bring you a sleepover we should make yeah we should like make it and like make a video or something oh yeah podcast that'd be fun to just like put a podcast on and like drink kombucha and like make something talk yeah Cool. Into it. Yeah. Into it. Anything else in the um, book other than that? Any other so for this time of year, there's this like asparagus pesto pasta. Ooh, yeah. And um, it uses, the pesto uses the parts of the stock that you usually throw away. And I'm getting more like, you know, on my health journey into like the green, like sustainable side of things. Yeah. And so I always feel good when I can use up something. Although New York City, we just got, a lot of neighborhoods got the compost bins cool. outside so which cool. I'm psyched about that's so cool speaking of New York City what are your favorite places to eat in the city tell me everything I need to know I was actually looking on your site at all of your travel guides of all these places and I was like oh Phoebe please oh my gosh yeah I'm, that's on the it's okay it's, it's just it's too big I, I need that face link. it I I need that you could do like it. part one part two you could do like Brooklyn New yeah, York it's true uptown down I don't know yeah, that's right. Oh, you yeah. know what? I'm going to do that. Okay. On I'm excited. List. Okay, so, so for that, let's do some brainstorming places. Now. Okay, healthy places, who kitchen. I love you. Love. So good. So good. Mash bar, which Nick, we were just talking mm-hmm. about his, he was like, can we go back to smoosh bar? And I was oh. like, yes, we can. And we're going to continue to call it smoosh bar. Smoosh bar. So cute. Um, I love like for like, I don't know, when I go out to eat like nice dinner out with friends, like I don't know, not like splurge like financially or even mm-hmm. health wise, but just like I don't know. I love like yeah. places with a cute ambiance. I like yeah. all of um, Gabe Stallman's restaurants. He's a restaurateur. He has a bunch of like cute, adorable little places in the oh, West cool. Village that are all kind of around one another, oh, cool. and like none of them take reservations. But it's like if you can hit up like yeah, <laughs> numerous they, ones in the what cluster. Are they, what are some of them? Um, Jeffrey's Grocery is one. Okay. They have like wonderful. I feel like I should be taking notes. Uh, yeah, like later. oysters and things like that, oh, okay. and. And um, across the street is Joseph Leonard, which has okay. a delicious avocado toast. Ooh, okay. And um, I might make you tell me these later. Yeah, some message. like more Italian so ones writing. nearby. Cool. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I okay. mean, I'm, maybe I'm. That's what I'll do. In my three okay, weeks off, I'll do my New York list. Me, perfect. <laughs> I can't wait. Anything else? Any like dish around the city that people need to try? Ooh, actually, so there's an amazing restaurant kind of like downstairs from where I live called Vinegar Hill House. It's also adorable and so small and cute and like teeny menu. Um, but they have an amazing roast chicken dish that's Hi. great to share. And they usually have like it's their menu is always changing. They always have the the chicken on the on uh-huh. the menu, but they usually have like delicious fish specials and stuff oh, like nice. that. Cool. 
What is your greatest lesson on wellness or one thing you wish people knew about wellness if you had to like distill it down to a sentence? Um, you don't have to do all of the above all at once. Mm, that's so good. Um, what is your greatest lesson on relationships? Mm, besides you can't change someone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think just general like patience is so important. Um, and communication, of course, too. But Charlie and I both have very different communication styles. He's like a lot more like tight-lipped, like classic guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's actually it's been good. It's actually forced me to be a lot more communicative than I have been mm-hmm. in past relationships in that kind of like push and pull kind of way. Um, I would say though, like in that regard, like. I'm a big fan of love languages, mm-hmm. but um, understanding your partner's love languages and that like they can honestly be changed and and morphed to better fit your needs. But being able to kind of communicate about what them. are your love languages? So, Just so I know for our friendship, yeah, <laughs> words obviously, um, <laughs> words of affirmation. You're amazing, baby. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, quality time, perfect touch, and then like. Acts. That's like all of them. <laughs> no, well then there's um, what's the other one? Uh, acts of service. Acts, yeah, yeah. Acts oh, of you're ordering gifts. Them. Yeah, I'm ordering. Oh, them. okay, okay. But yeah. like acts of service and gifts are far down. Like yeah. those other three are like top. Yeah, I'm almost I'm equal the same up way. there. Yeah, maybe it's an only only child thing for the um, words of affirmation. Maybe that seems right. Yeah, it or just like, like you know, correlation. writer inclined. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but he's, like, the opposite, so... That's so funny. <laughs> but it's, like, something that it can definitely change, you yeah. know, over time. We've really learned each other's yeah. in a much better That's way. That's really interesting. What's your greatest lesson on family? Mm. I mean, I think quality time really does come into play there. Just, like, always showing up yeah. and being there is so important. Um even when you're far away, that can be hard. But you can show up in, in ways that aren't necessarily just... In person. In person, yeah. Yeah. What about on um, spirituality, all of that? What do you think happens when we die? Where are you with mm. all of that? I don't know. I'm So I'm, like, culturally Jewish. In terms of, like, the afterlife, I honestly don't know where I stand. I'm very into astrology as kind of, like, my general, like, spiritual, my general, like, world of spirituality. And, um, yeah, my mom had my my chart read at birth, and we had a recording of it, and I listened to it for the first time when I was 20... 20 I think that is so cool which was crazy and she's been you know into that obviously yeah. my whole life I wish but... we had more time to talk about your mom and next yeah podcast. she's cool yeah you should have her on she's your cool yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she can come to our she's an only child she she's can... not unfortunately can, she can come in anyway. she had a big family which was probably why she was like when for us yeah <laughs> same my mom's one of six yeah um but yeah, I think astrology is just like the most efficient um, therapy session in the world because you don't have to do any of the talking and it just like kind of really explains everything that is so hard to like put your finger yeah. on in some ways yeah. that's like happening externally in the world. What is your sun sign? You. Um, sun sign, I always get... well. Scorpio the main one (laughs) main one is Scorpio I always confuse my rising and my moon but I'm Libra and um oh my god why am I blanking this is so strange I won't know what they what they are I've had an astrologer on twice but I still like get so confused by everything (laughs) um okay so this is really just a way for you to 
recommend things in the following categories, but pretend you're stranded on a deserted island and you can bring with you one music, like CD mm. or artist or something, um, one movie, one book, and one food. What would you bring? Very hard. Um, so I've played the music game before, but it's funny. It's like the rules can that I've talked with that some people can be. It's like one artist, but then if they're in multiple bands, oh. you get like the whole oh, loophole. So I know loophole, but we'll we'll ignore that. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it adds real complication. Yeah. To well, I'm very chill strategy. about my deserted island. Like okay. you can like bring multiple things because it's really just a way for you to recommend things. Okay. I want. I'll know do the Beatles. Like. I'll do the Beatles. Okay. Um, and. Sorry, movie. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that one's really hard. I just talked about this the other day, so I'll, uh, Pride and Prejudice. I love Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not my all-time favorite movie, but yeah, I could definitely watch Any it. Any other movie you'd bring? If, um, you bring if I can bring another movie. Anything you've seen recently or just anything? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, well, I saw Wonder Woman. Was it good? Oh, wonderful. Really? Yeah, wonderful. Cool. It was great. I haven't seen it. I don't know if I'm taking it on the island. I mean, if yeah. I could take a collection, I would take like all the Harry Potter books yeah. and movies. <laughs> or choose between those two categories. Yeah. Um, okay, one book. Oh, gosh. Um, I really love this like Milan Kundera book, um, The Book of Laughter and Forgetting. And um, yeah, I don't know. First thing that came to mind, I'll cool. do it. And then food. So my desert island food is very, <laughs> it's very highbrow, <laughs> but or I guess it's like the last meal. I don't know. That's an, there's a lot of loopholes there too. Yeah. It's like if is if it's potatoes, right, I can make right, French right. fries. I can make That's hash true. browns. Yeah, let's go um, with like last meal. I'm okay, ask. all right. This desert island, you don't need to worry about your <laughs> <energy>. <laughs> levels. <laughs> Great. And so since price is not an object, yeah. I will be doing. Soul Meniere, and my gluten issue is not an object. <laughs> what is, I don't know what that is. It's like a very delicious, um, like it can be very pricey. Like it's not like a French fish, but it's just like a certain oh. Dover sole. Um, cool. And it's like filleted and just like dredged on, I guess it's like dredged on both sides with, with flour. And then it's like kind of pan fried in butter. Oh, and it's so good. I'm sure it's with delicious. like lemon juice. And then, Ooh. yeah, just like some fries on the side. Nice. Some like good aioli. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yum. Okay. Um, the this... green, not some vegetables. Yeah. Some yeah. Vegetables. Some I mean, they might be on the island. Yeah. Um, okay. Since you are a cook and a host, you can have five people over for dinner. Who do you invite? What do you cook? And what do you hope people ask you at the party? And what do you hope doesn't come up that you just don't feel like talking about? Um, I would invite... I've always wanted to meet Lena Dunham. I love her. Me too. I would invite Ina because I love her. Yeah. Um, and she's just the best. And I would have her at any, oh my God. any it already sounds dinner like a party. Ruth Reichel, I love, um, and I've never met her either, um, although I have emailed with her in, like, cool. a stalker way. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, five people. Um, man, I'm going to invite Hillary Clinton. Nice. What? Why not? Yeah. Um, my fifth person. Ooh, I really want to throw in just, like, a really weird one. Yeah. But I'm not even sure. Like, this is a very girl centric part it is I a love. very girl centric uh, yeah I mean honestly I'm not even thinking about that yeah, good, good um now I am a little uh, bit oh my god I can't complete the circle 
I'll add Charlie. Yes, perfect. <laughs> I'm happy to come as well. Um, great. Yeah, and you're invited to too. Great. Oh, that's great. So what do you cook for us then? Um, I'd make like a big a big homey tagine that's like one of my favorite things to make and I think like the Moroccan spices make it just interesting enough to like elevate it slightly and I don't know like some like delicious like rice pilaf or quinoa pilaf and just like a giant salad it's hard to think I mean that's like my winter dinner party dish it's hard right now because it's so hot out I would probably do something like a like a taco bar or something like that again like the personalization yeah I love that what do you hope people talk about and what do you hope doesn't come up that people don't ask you about? Ooh, I mean, I, I do love hearing about people's childhoods and, like, telling stories from from childhood. Um, I would say, so, my dad invented... I don't know if he invented the game, but it's called Secrets, and Ooh, it's the best excited. dinner party game Ooh, ever. Tell me. I love like, best, thing. like, big group, like, away for a oh, weekend party, but goodness. you just write down on a piece of paper something that no one else in the room knows about you, which I guess would probably be less fun for strangers, but, like, since this is such a group of creative women or, like, interesting yeah. women, hopefully they'd, like, rise to the challenge, yeah. but... Um, yeah, and then you kind of guess whose is whose. Ooh. It's really fun. And it would work because you know things about each of these Yeah, because they're public they're, figures. So it would be fine. Yeah. Wow. But it's fun with couples because like, yeah. you really have to dig deep. Fun. Oh, man, that sounds really fun. I want to play so, that. And a fun fact, I played with Charlie one of our like first, like I call it our infatuation weekend because we weren't dating yet, but we like, yeah. you know, I was like, mm. Yeah. Um, and I saved, probably this is like a huge hint that I had a crush on him, but I saved, it was at his house and I saved all of the the, the pieces of paper uh-huh. and I framed them for him. Oh. And so we have it in our bathroom above the toilet Oh my now. God. I can't wait to go to the bathroom <laughs> at your house and read them. It's really fun. It's more fun for boys because like they're like facing it. They're like, yeah. what is this? Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I'm just going to spend a lot of time in your bathroom reading. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, okay. So... Anything that you wouldn't want to talk about? Honestly, no. Cool. Yeah. Open book. All right. So we did it. The name of the show is Let It Out. So when I offer that to you to let it out, do you feel like there's anything that you missed that you wish I would have asked that you wanted to talk about? Honestly, no. But I feel like that's a cop-out answer. I'm really glad we got into the only child stuff. Yeah. You know? I think it's so fascinating. We can do a whole, like, episode on that. Yeah. And, I mean talking like the question of how many children did you have yeah i struggle with that one yeah but that's a whole nother let's go talk about that now yeah we'll go recording. let it out with some more kombucha. um tell people where they can find you all the links will be in the show notes but everyone okay. needs to get her book it's amazing and i'm just so excited to know you and be friends with you thank you so much for coming on the show oh my god thank you so much and i'm psyched to have been able to do this in person Me too. and like with this giant beautiful microphone it feels very high tech and professional but the sun is like beating on you now (laughs) i've sweat through my shorts it's cool there are almonds in there i know i'm like (laughs) making a pool of sweat right now okay so you can find me at feedmephoebe.com and you can find my book at feedmephoebe.com slash book slash in the show notes yeah follow her everywhere Her Insta stories are great. She'll even give you a knife lesson. Yeah, this... Well, yeah. Well, I don't know what this is going to be. So. Oh, yeah. Well, check her things for book yeah. events. Since Unclear the mandolin on- incident, I'm doing some impromptu knife skills oh, tips. Oh, cool. Yeah. In my stories, so... And just keep in touch out. with her. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back for episode two, because I have more things I want to ask you.
right, there you have it. That was my episode with Phoebe Lapine from The Wellness Project. That's her book. Check her out, get obsessed with her, follow her on all of the social media. Also follow me, I'm at Katie Dalebout. And when you do, tweet at us the emoji for this episode, which I have to think about it. I don't even know what it's going to be. Oh, yes I do. Oh my God, so obvious. It's gonna be the knife, obviously. Tweet at us the knife. Tweet at Phoebe, tweet at me, comment on our Instagram, and let us know that you're still listening to me rambling right now. I'm going to tell you who's coming up in the show next week, but first I want to thank Care-of Supplements. I love Care-of. They are the supplement company that is the most innovative because they let you take a quiz online to find out what exactly your body needs, and they custom curate the supplements just for you, and they personalize them with really cute packaging and your name. So go to takecareof.com now to get your personalized recommendation, and then use the code Katie at checkout, that's K-A-T-I-E, and that will get you 50% off your first order. And the great thing is you're also supporting the podcast when you do that, and I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who's left a review. It means so much to me. If you want to support the podcast, that's a great way to do it. Another way is to support our other sponsor for this week's episode, which is LBOX. Thank you so much, LBOX, for sponsoring the podcast. You are so innovative. You are helping women experience their periods differently, and you're using 100% organic cotton, nothing else in your tampons. No dyes, no synthetic materials, no toxins. Thank you, because that's important because our bodies pick up everything through our skin but really through our vagina because in our vagina it's super porous so all those toxins all those negative ingredients they go right in so you might as well use organic cotton if you can and lbox ships it directly to you they give you exactly what you need tampon pad wise and there's other treats like really great teas and chocolates that they put into your box to help change the way you experience your period and the best part about them isn't any of that it's actually that they have to me it's that they have a first period box for girls getting their first period because crazy statistic 44% of girls don't know what's happening and 60% of them are afraid so help out a younger sister a neighbor a friend a daughter and get them L box and you can get your first box free by using the code Katie again that's the same code as care of at checkout so thank you L box thank you care of and thank you for listening join the Facebook group follow me on Instagram comment with the knife if you're listening to this episode right now and you're still listening to me rambling I promise I'm going to tell you who's coming up on the show next week but I just want to ramble a little bit more and tell you about my weekend I had a really great weekend you guys and I got to meet some of you like Aaron and Sylvia who listen to the podcast I was in Philadelphia I just got back to New York a couple hours ago and it was a great weekend Franklin and Whitman is the skincare brand I love and the founder Chris is the most generous person ever and he brought me out to Philadelphia for their first event in their space. Him and his wife Lisa are just the most lovely people and it was great. We did yoga and ate great food. I highly recommend visiting Philadelphia if you haven't already and I'm going to be doing a live podcast there with him really soon in the early fall or the end of the summer. And also, I will be doing a live podcast in New York, in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, at my favorite coffee shop, The End. It is the home of the unicorn latte. All right, next week on the podcast, I have a returning guest, Angie Cho, and she is great. She is an architect. She is an interior designer. She is a feng shui consultant. 
and she has helped me with all of my spaces because I'm a very spatially oriented person. And when I moved to New York, she completely helped me with my apartment here. So we recorded that live. We recorded our feng shui consultation. So it'll be a different episode. It'll be a unique episode. And I think you're really going to like it. But I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll just uh, catch you on the internet until I talk to you in your headphones next week. Share this episode with a friend if you liked it. That'd be so cool. I really want it to spread so I can do it more. And if you want to support the show, you can always Venmo um, me because that goes right to the podcast. It right goes right to Amanda, my producer, and I so we can keep doing this, keep doing it more, keep doing live episodes. Thank you for listening. I'm going to stop talking now. Love you. Bye.